We all have heroes. From the time we started to unwrap our curious minds, to unlock our imagination as a child born into this big wide world, there was a longing to imagine what could be, what might be possible. For some of us, these superheroes are the ones in the pages of comic books, drawn into stories of hope, goodness, wonder. And in the realm of cinema, with its drama, magic, and universal excitement. But as we all know, heroes come to us in the form of everyday life. That someone that helped you see the impossible. The one who goes beyond the effort to create a space of happiness. That person that gave you a smile that day that you needed one. The leader who faces fear with courage and fights for humanity. For my friend Kyle, it started off as the caped crusader with a large S across his chest. The Superman. One who, in Kyle's words, had immense power and made choices for good. Selfless choices, despite his ability to do otherwise. He always worked to make the world a better place. This childhood boy chasing his dream of a superhero led him to make some strong choices of his own. Difficult choices of ambition. Of leaving it all behind for what made his heart tick. Where he could be the hero of his own story. In quests for adventure, affection, and love. And new heroes. Ones that are found in three o'clock in the morning hazes. With some magical encounter of listening. Kyle might even say that a muse found him just when he needed a cape of his own to wear. Something he could craft, nurture, and write about when chasing these dreams of his, even as they began to change. The life of song that Kyle found saturates everything he does. Since we first met about 20 years ago as high school teenagers, confused, searching for ourselves, for what we wanted out of life, and for who might want to be there with us along the way, we found ourselves drawn to the creative. Both of us were in high school music classes, always in the school drama productions, in all senses of that word, and always wanting the next thing, the more exciting thing. For Kyle, though, his dreams were always very specific. He wanted to cry out, to sing the song in his heart along with his friends beside him and his peers in front of him. He wanted to be heard. I guess I've always had this need, or perhaps born with my own superpower, of doing what I can to let people's song be heard, to help their dreams become possible. And I remember I wanted that so much for my friend Kyle. It didn't take much time before we both discovered a little bond of friendship. I needed a pal, a buddy to spend time with and ruminate on what was an angsty, blurry time when everything was new. And he needed a sidekick, someone to run things by, to scream about how life isn't fair, is lots of fun, sometimes doesn't make sense, and every once in a while can be wonderful. And dreams come true. A little boy dreamed of a superhero, drawing him into life from his imagination onto his bedroom wall, using whatever he could find even things to make the shiny parts glow in the dark, so that when things seemed most inescapable, when the lights went out, when the world seemed too dark to navigate, there he was, piercing the darkness, the reflection of who he could be, glowing in the dark, the superhero. 
This was such a great reunion with my high school friend. It brought back lots of memories, lots of laughs. And most of all, was wonderful to see that experiences shared and time spent with one another can last a lifetime. This is a fun little hour, and you'll even get to hear some of his music along with me, my longtime pal, just in conversation with Kyle Herring. Kyle. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. You made it. Oh my God, it actually worked. It only took uh, 1990s technology (laughs) for us to get here. (laughs) What's going on, buddy? Hey, it's been forever, right? 20-ish years. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, where where to start? Well, first of all, I know that you're in, um, I know that you're in Philly. Yeah. Do you call it Philly now that you're living there? Yep. Yeah. What was the, uh, so the last (laughs) time that we, one of the last times that I remember seeing you was where we're both from, which is Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the very last time I saw you, I was in college, maybe. And then before that, uh, we went to high school together. And yep, you, you stayed the whole time. Did you drop out? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I don't think I remember that. Yeah. When? Yeah, when? Ju- uh, junior year. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, just tell me about me. that. Tell me about that. What was that? What was going on then? Oh, God. Um,. So we only have three hours. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was jump back to, to things, but at, mm-hmm. at that point it had been a uh, rough childhood stuff at home, you know, depressed teenager. And just, I, I, I didn't care about school. I didn't, mm-hmm. the only thing I cared about was seeing my friends and, the whole social part of it and this is sounding familiar but, now a little bit yeah yeah but uh as far as like actually going there to learn or do anything or like go, oh i have to do this so then i can go to college and then yeah. i can get a job i that didn't mean anything yeah. <laughs> to me at all yeah um so then the whole kind of music thing in that process kind of peeked its head out and i was just like well i'm just gonna go do that and uh so i remember um yeah, it was junior year. Uh, Pete Peterson, his brother, was oh, my yeah. math teacher. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I remember I went to each one. It was very deliberate. It wasn't like I just stopped going. I made it very official. I went to every teacher's class and like brought, their, brought my textbook and put it on their desk and just said, hey, thanks for everything. This isn't your fault, but I'm not coming back. Wow. And, uh, and that was it. I think I sort yeah. of remember that. That sounds sort of familiar. And maybe you and I had a conversation about it, maybe? I'm sure I had a lot to say about it at the time. Yeah, because this sounds familiar, like I was trying to make you stay or something. And you're like, no, this isn't, yeah, this isn't for me. But you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, I I I stayed through. I have plenty of opinions. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, I stayed through it all. I went to college twice. Um, And I actually ended up becoming a teacher for a while. And, um, you know, now I have a completely different view of all that. Um, How do you mean? Well, I don't think school's for everybody. No, it's absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And I, I also think having been in the system on both sides, uh, I think, um, I don't think education has really done a great job with what it's supposed to be for anyway. Um, you know, it has, it's, it works well for people that work well in school. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, um, everybody fits all. What is that phrase? Uh, fits all sizes or whatever it is for everybody. Yeah. It's, um, it's geared for a certain type of person. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't really know that at the time. It was this kind of, I just knew it wasn't working for me. And I, the more I thought about it, the more I was convinced, like, I'm not getting anything I need out of this. And, uh, and so I didn't, but I did, I wasn't really aware of the whole, like, yeah, it's, it's really not for everybody thing until, so my sister was, uh, in middle school at the time Mm. and she had my old, uh, history teacher, Mr. McDowell. And, uh, I guess she mentioned to him that I had dropped out. She came home from school the one day and said, Hey, Mr. McDowell wants to uh, talk to you. You need to go by the school and say, hi. It's like, Oh God, (laughs) you know, expecting the whole thing. Judgment. And, uh, yeah, obviously. And, um, so I remember I went in there and he just kind of said, Hey, you know, your sister told me, you know, what you did. And, and then he kind of looks at me. I remember we were standing in his classroom. He just goes, you know, I, I kind of always knew this wasn't for you. I was like, Mm. what yeah was, and that's what he said he just said you know this he's like it's not for everybody some people it's just not for and he's like i knew real quick it wasn't for you he's like but just don't be stupid yeah he was like just go do something just because you're not doing this doesn't mean you don't have to do anything just be smart and do something i was like and from right there that was like I made the right choice. I'm smart. <laughs> you know, that validated yeah. everything, right? Because he, out of all the teachers I had over the years, too, he was actually one of the few that I I really liked, and mm. you know, and uh, and I actually surprisingly did well in his class. Well, that's good. That's, but, I'm um, glad to hear that story because um, I actually sort of did that too as a teacher. And you you have to make your own path, and there are some there are some strategic paths that we've set up in society that work for certain people, but. But others, especially artists like yourself and myself, um, don't really fit in molds. I mean, I had some of that when I was in college. I had to do um, this kind of senior project. I got a, a music degree um, by the skin of my teeth. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, the end of it, I had to do a uh, what's, what's called a jury hearing um, and then a senior recital, basically. And at that point in my life, I just wanted to get out of college. I wanted to be done. I was not caring about any of it. So I didn't memorize any of my music, which was one of the requirements and all this stuff. And it was just crazy to me. So I remember in my, in my hearing, there's like this panel of judges, which are your, like your voice faculty. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the middle of it, just taking my papers and throwing <laughs> in the air and walking <laughs> out. What? Yeah. And my my voice teacher at the time was like well um obviously you didn't pass your hearing um (laughs) (laughs) so uh i took a four-year degree and took seven years to complete it um and yeah so i mean i i think i think people just take different paths you know it's it's great um 
it's neat that you've you've been able to kind of see and experience it from like both sides of it. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Then I discovered the pipe organ, and it wasn't like this electronic, um, <laughs> not a Casio keyboard. Yeah. Not a like video game sounding thing. It was like this magnificent <laughs> instrument that was like, it's just kind of like this big monster and you're, you get to control all these things about it. And it's the music that's written for it is this whole, I mean, it's a whole other world that nobody really knows about. So, um, that was the appealing part of it is that this, hmm. there's this magical little thing that nobody really knows about. And I would own a master it kind of thing. Uh, then I went to like this pipe organ camp one time and at Baylor in Texas. I, I, you went to a what? A pipe organ camp. That's a, that exists. It's called, thing. yeah, it's called pipe organ encounter. <laughs> and you have, you even have like organ shoes that you buy. There's like, <laughs> there's felt. I love how you're saying this. So you're like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Like, of course. Like, <laughs> um, pipe organ camp. Come on. Of course there is. I mean, there's a camp for everything. <laughs> if you think about it, really. Yeah. But yeah. um, you're like a dad now. Um, like one, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, okay, so I was doing a little on, bit of... Um, I'm a dad on paper. You're dad on... Okay, great. <laughs> and I'm doing great on paper, too, So as you just said. So there <laughs> yeah. we go. Um, yeah. So... Three. I have three. Three, yeah. So I was yeah. doing some um, investigation. Owen, Colin, and Joanna. Mm-hmm. And then your partner is Heather... Mm-hmm. Or is she wife? What do you would you call her wife? Partner, yeah, partner. wife works. Okay. Um, what's it? I mean, just in general, going coming from the story we just told that you just told us about dropping out of high school in your junior year, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that surrounds that, and you know us being kids, and um, then discovering yourself, which we're, I know we're skipping a lot there, but now fast forwarding to now, and you have a wife and three kids, and you're a dad, and What's the thinking like now? What's the thing that you've learned most from that? How has life changed for you? What's the biggest change? Uh, a thing I've realized. I'm so stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a wide net. Or what's, or um, what's being a dad like? I don't know. I have no idea. It's exhausting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, I could say a bunch all the cliche things. It's the greatest it's ever, and it, and it is, and it's just, but there's, it's just, it tests, it tests your limits mm-hmm. as a human being, as a parent. <laughs> um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, like they all say, you know, like you wouldn't trade it for the world in yeah. some weird twisted way. It's true. It's, uh. Yeah, I, I spend almost, uh, especially now. That's, that's the thing. Like, I'm, you're asking me this coming after eight, nine months of quarantine, yeah. locked in a house. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm sure that that's crazy. <laughs> it is, and we had a baby in April. Wow. So that, so that was the third. Yeah. Yeah. So Joanna. I have a, I have a six year old, a three year old and a now nine month old. Okay. Um, so it's just been just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this. The other day. like people weren't built to deal with the stress of this kind of, yeah. And all, you forms. know, it's insane. But, um, yeah, I mean, what a, what a 
learn. It's just, it's hard. You tend to have more. It it changes the way you view your past. Mm. Tell me about that. A lot. So it's uh, you tend to have more uh, empathy for <laughs> your your parents mm. and and anybody that had to deal with you throughout the years, just because yeah. you know you you get to see it from the other side and like oh okay so when I felt like this as a kid I didn't realize the adults felt like this because mm. of it you know it's some yeah. um, and what that how that affected them. Not it's it's not like a, uh, like a guilt or responsibility. It's more of just an understanding of, you know, I mean, this, that's, that's the way it is. Kid, little kids aren't going to, you know, and my six year old is so much like he's a clone of me personality wise. It's, <laughs> it's, fr- it's so frustrating to watch. So you're, it's um, kind of like, Oh geez, here, it com- I know what's coming. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of, he, he has, it's, he struggles with all the same things that I struggled with as a kid. It's just, it's so literally like painful and heartbreaking to watch when you see your kid like struggling with the same things that you did when you were younger and you know, you remember how bad that stuff just sucked and the way it made you feel and everything like that. And kind of knowing that there's really nothing anybody can, it's something you have to just evolve through. They gotta go through through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just, but just like sit there and watch them struggle with the same. And like I said, it's some of it's, I don't know again details, but some of it's just like very specific to, it's like, you're my kid. I know, I know Mm. what your head's doing right now, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and it sucks. And I know you're, it's a nightmare, but yeah. So it just sucks to sit there and watch that happen and play out and understand how they're feeling and still having gone through it, still not really be able to do anything to help it. Well, that's, that's, yeah, it's brutal. It's Uh, really brutal. But it's also, um, your job isn't necessarily to do anything about it. It's just to kind of be there with them through it. Yeah. But you're still, you're you're a parent and you want to make them not hurt. I wanted to bring up speaking about comic con and parenting and kids and, child life i have a memory of us when we were hanging out um that superman was very important to you Mm -hmm. um in fact i think i remember uh you and i had a lot of sleepovers together Mm -hmm. and uh, i think i was sleeping at your house and i just remember there was uh at least a big superman s like on your wall is that right yeah uh no it was actually a uh life-size Superman that I drew and then covered in glow in the dark chalk. Okay. So we glowed at night. And yeah. so I just remember that being like <laughs> real Superman was like your guy. Like he was your hero. I don't know if, I don't know if they, Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. There. There's the tattoo. Yeah. I've, I've really grown up <laughs> really evolved. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. So, um, I just, um, By the way, I don't know if your uh, your research showed that uh, my first son, his middle name is Clark. I did um, see that, and you wrote that this is a big deal for me. Yeah, yeah, and I did see that. So Clark, I didn't know which kid it was, but so Clark, you made Clark. Clark. My second cousin, second kid's name is Wayne. Or oh. middle name is Wayne, and the daughter is Lane. Yeah. yeah so you when you're so you you had a little onesie for your 
middle child as a Superman outfit. Yeah. So, um, can Facebook. we, can we dig a little bit on that? And, um, first of all, I want to know why Are Super- we talking about the new movies. No, I mean, just, okay. <laughs> as it, just in that okay. time in your life, whenever you and I were hanging out and I think, I don't mm-hmm. know, we were probably, um, I don't know, 15, 14. Yeah. So it was like freshman yearish. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, I just remember that Superman was so important to you. I mean, that was like a big hero to you, I think. Yeah. So can you tell me what that was about? What was going on in your head at that? Why was, why Superman? He, uh, he always was, I don't know. That was, it, it feels like I was kind of born with it. Were you um, a comic book fan or a movie fan? What was your Superman for you? Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the OG. Yeah. Um, I definitely had the comics as a kid. I read the comics. I remember when the, the issue came out where Superman finally died. I remember reading it and just bawling. Mm. I just, I cried. I was, I think it was probably like 12 years old yeah. and yeah, just cried my eyes out cause he died. <laughs> and then of course he came back like in the comics a year later and right. it was all fine. Yeah. But, um, it's just, it, yeah, like I said, I don't remember not being obsessed with it. And it's funny. Um, I can still trick my brain every once in a while. You know, I put the movies on for my kids and stuff like that. Trying to say, you need to watch this and understand why I feel. Yeah. And the Christopher Reeve ones. Eh, okay. Um, I can, kind of get them into the the newer ones a little bit but they're not really for kids that much but um my three-year-old is obsessed with spider-man but um yeah spider-man's popular right now yeah but i i can still watch those watch those movies and my brain will immediately go back to being like 70 years old like yeah. i i still i still watch him fly and like still get the same feeling i if and never, I don't remember ever not feeling that way. And I've, I've never not felt that way since it's yeah. It's just, is, um, I don't know. Is I it, uh, I love it. Would you say that Superman's a hero to you? Being a fictitious person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, what about, what about Superman is, I, th- I think initially, uh, as a kid, it was, I thought the suit was awesome and yeah. he could fly. Yeah. Um, but as I, as I got a little bit older and when I said, I mean like an older kid, I think, uh, what I realized, what I admired about him as far as being a person was the fact that like, he always, no matter what the situation was, he always did the right thing. Mm. Even if it sucked for him or, you know, it's kind of always, he made the right choice. And I was always kind of like envious of that. Cause I, Yeah. It was, it was very, even though like technically the guy can't get hurt, he was still very selfless and like what he did. So Superman won. <laughs> we we'll get in a little bit. The, uh, are you familiar with the movie at all? The original Superman yes, movie? Yes, of course. Yeah. So uh, the, I need to the watch earthquake it again. And, yeah. Yeah. So there's the earthquake and everything like that. And uh, he kind of like he's going around helping the, the planet, literally the planet while Lois is in a car driving and then like he's just going down, but he kept doing what he was doing and just kind of like, he, he was just focused on fixing everything. And then, you know, his, his needs or whatever were kind of, you know, on the back burner until he had the time to, yes, he just kind of, he was very, uh, 
very selfless in his choices for being a guy yeah. who can't get hurt. I was like that. He had just, long story short, he always seemed to try to always do the right thing no matter what. Yeah. When he had the power to do very, very differently than that. He could have gone a very different way, but he always, regardless of all the power he had, he always tried to do the best thing he could. Well, that's certainly a good a good role model. I mean, somebody, somebody yeah. we need now, right? Um, <laughs> okay, so Superman was a hero for you. Um, and I, okay, I might be getting this wrong. I know our brain plays tricks on us sometimes. But I have also have this memory of um, being at your house. I was at your house a lot, I think, um, as, as a kid. And... Which house? Which house? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was it was the big one. So it was like out in the middle of nowhere. It's basically a farm. Oh, that house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember the. Yeah, that was high school. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember, but I I think there was, I think I there was some other place you went to after that. And you're more like you were more on your own at that point, but I don't have very much memory of that place. <laughs> but didn't you move, didn't you move the Superman from that house over to your new place or something like that? No. So, uh, <laughs> one of the other things that I got obsessed with that time was Titanic. Oh yeah. Um, not just the movie, but the whole the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. So on God, I feel like I could just reach out and touch it. Um, on another wall. So the Superman was at the back wall behind my bedroom door, and yeah. the wall next to my bed, I drew the Titanic. And um, when we moved out to the farm with my mom's new husband, uh, we took it out of the wall, and my mom got it framed and. Took it with oh, us. Oh, that's what it was. Because I, yeah, it was, I did it in like charcoal on the drywall and it was really cool. Yeah. And again, the glow in dark chalk, I did all the windows on the ship and glow in the dark wow. chalk. So at night, the lights would all light yeah. up. Um, and the thing weighed like 120 pounds because it was <laughs> a piece of like giant drywall and a yep. huge picture frame. Right. I yeah. remember, uh, have you ever watched that like real time animation of the sinking? Probably. I, I get into every once in a while, I get into the, the cycle of being obsessed with Titanic again. Mm-hmm. And um, I go on this like YouTube rabbit hole, but there's an animation and it's like real. So it's, you know, it's like three or four hours long, but you can watch in real time as everything occurred. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of frightening because they add sound effects. <laughs> yeah. You, so you hear the yeah. you hear the motor, you hear the water, you see the ship moving, but and then they also add like dialogue and stuff, so you can kind of experience it as it occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, I mean, the, the, what those people went through! Wow. Yeah, I I I, I still even I've, I probably watched something less than a month ago on it. Like yeah. I, that never. I think the movie kind of sparked it a little bit. Sure. Obviously, sure. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, there was uh, in North Charleston, right ac- across the street from the Northwoods Mall, there was a dollar movie theater. Yeah, of course. Tucked back. 
Yeah. And uh, I, used to I remember live back I there. went there. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> and um, at one point, Titanic made it to the Dollar Theater. I don't know why I remember this number, but I remember at one point I saw the movie in the theater 11 times. Wow. And it was mostly so I could get to the second half of the movie. Because it's the whole, the whole drama of the, just mm-hmm. the whole, the sinking. It's just, yeah, it was just so crazy to me. We were talking, <laughs> so we were talking about like childhood heroes and, and, um, and what maybe are, maybe your children will become heroes to them. And another hero that I remember, remember that you had was, um, this guy named Edwin McCain. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Man, you thought that guy just invented music, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I have a, you know, and you and I like I think you and I sung together a couple times, and I harmonized yeah. with you and some stuff, and but I do remember in high school you put on a concert and um, definitely played the I'll Be song. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? I'll be yeah yeah, and. Um, you were just so uh, um, adamant about having the truest concert experience for everybody there with lighting, with the moments in the rehearsal. And um, I remember (laughs) as an audience member being out there and like being so happy for you because I knew that that was such a big deal for you to like make this dream of performing for your peers, this song and how it meant to you and, um, tell me about, tell me a little bit about that. How did, what did, what did, uh, particularly that song, I guess, but how did Edwin become like a musical hero for you? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's not that difficult actually. Um, and he, and he still is and kind of always will be. Um, I still go back and listen to his, same stuff I was listening to then and still, I still get it. Like why, mm. how I got there. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, I guess mid late nineties. Hooting the blowfish was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, South Carolina and who the blowfish was South Carolina band. And I don't know it was kind of like infused into that. He was part of that. Um, they all came out at the same time. And I remember my mom had gone to a concert she went to go. She, now that I think about it, she actually she went to go see Hootie and the Blowfish, and she came came home with the CD and said, "Oh, this guy, this young guy, opened up for Hootie and the Blowfish. He's like in his twenties. He's super young, but he sounds so much older than he is." And she's like, "I really like it." And then uh, she put the CD in for me, and I, I immediately was just kind of like, "I, I like this. Like it was just." It was something I hadn't heard before for me anyway. It was kind of like, um, you know, I either knew like 80s rock or really, you know, not good rap, not good hip hop. hadn't really come out yet. It was, it was pre pre Wu Tang and all that. Um, and I had, I didn't really know anything about jazz or blues yet, but it kind of like he the way 
his the first record he had that came out around that time, it kind of like he had an acoustic guitar, but there was times where he was just like really just belting it, and then there was like this blues stuff, blues feel to it, and then there was a saxophone in there, and just like just had all these elements and like and every chord he played, he didn't play just like standard. Every chord was like just kind of like little had this kind of jazz tone to it is that all these elements and my brain just went like like this is and on top of it he had this like smoky soulful voice on top of everything and just and uh i immediately was just like that i want i want that i want to be that and um so i kind of that that was a start of it but then the weirdest kind of it sounds made up the way it happened, but it, it really did happen that way. Um, I'd never listened to the the record all the way through. Just kind of like skipped around to the songs I liked and, you know, here and there. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so then I, um, I put it in my CD player in my bedroom the one night and I, I went to sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was right around the time the CD was ending. And there was this last track on it and it was just him and an acoustic guitar, which again was something like at the time I hadn't really heard. Just a dude with a guitar. It sounds weird to say, but um, like it, that stripped down. It was literally just him in a room with an acoustic guitar. Everything I heard, you know, there was always something else going on, other instruments. This just a broken down. Just you could hear, you could hear it in the recording. That was just there was a mic in the room. There was a dude with a guitar and uh he played the song but not only that but the way he played he had this like it was kind of like strumming and it had this kind of like percussive thing to it and just like i woke up in the middle of the night and the song was called 3 a.m and i swear to god i woke up it was like almost three in the morning Mm. and i woke up and i heard it and i was just like what is this and like as soon as i heard that i was like i want to know how to do that i want to do exactly what i'm hearing right now and that was it. That was kind of the. You had a three a.m. music encounter. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it sounds made up, but no, I get. I, it was a magical <laughs> moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that kind of uh, a couple things, and coupled with that, kind of just changed. That defined who I was going to grow up to be in a weird way. You met him, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, fast forward a handful of years, go through high school. I had now already left and I moved to downtown Charleston, was living down there in a house with a bunch of friends. And there was a frat house down the road. And, uh, a friend of mine was a member of this frat house. And, uh, so he called me and he's like, Oh, come down, hang out with this, bring your guitar. And so it kind of became a thing. It started, it was like every Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, I don't remember. But I would come down to this frat house with my guitar and I was, I was 17, 18 at the time. And uh, I would come and play at this frat house for all their parties and they pay me in beer and that's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, You're and, such also a musician. I the, and I got to hang out with older you know, older kids. Yeah. Cause they were all in college and, you know, I was 17, yeah. 18 years old. And, uh, I played Edwin McCain songs all night long and they all went nuts for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
somewhere down the road. Um, do you remember Cumberland's? Of course. The the original one? Yeah. The dirty, dingy conker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So apparently that's where he started. And uh, there was some advertisement that he was playing there doing like an acoustic show. And uh, it was like limited tickets or whatever. So anyway, I got a, got a ticket for it, went to the show. And I'm standing like at the front of the stage and he was he was playing and I was like yelling songs for him to play. And all the guys that happened to be from the frat house were there. And they all spotted me. And they started yelling at him like, they're like, let him sing with you. And he shrugged it off and played another song. And they're like, let him say. And they became cliche frat guys and just chanted it <laughs> until he Bless the uh, frat guys. Until he was, uh, he's just like, you know, it like three or four songs have gone by now. And like every song at the end of it, they were like, let him sing, let yeah. him sing. Yeah. So finally he just looked at me. He was like, dude, just come on. He was like, just get this over with. Uh-huh. And uh, got up and uh, sang a song with him. And at the end of the song, he kind of like, he was like, oh my God. And like went and gave me a big hug. And, um, And it went really well. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, af- afterwards, after the show, like the owner of the club came. And he was like, Edwin's in the back. He wants you to come back and talk to him. So he brought me back there. And uh, he's like, dude, he's like, all right. He's like, what's with the uh, what's with the black fingernail polish, though? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. He's like, yeah, don't do that. Don't I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's your advice from Edwin McCain. Don't worry. <laughs> and, uh, and um yeah but it was it was funny so we were up there so we were singing that song and um it, it was kind of like i i sang a verse and he kind of looked at me and i was like all right your turn and he goes no and he's like all right you like saying another one and then by the end of it like there was this kind of callback thing of like singing back and forth to each other and like it, it was like that was at that point my pinnacle dream was to get on stage and sing with that guy yeah, and the, and was and the audience going wild or what? They they were flipping out. Yeah. Also, too, I was like a seventeen year old kid, right? You know, yeah. um, and I was like signing autographs after the show. <laughs> wow! And so, like, it was my the the biggest dream I had. Pretty much had happened. It happened. I remember. Yeah. The, I remember leaving that night and having this weird feeling of like what happens if you have a wish list and you complete it that early? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like you have to make a new list, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't know, but it was, it was a weird yeah. feeling. Cause it was like, shit, what do I do now? Um, it happened. I, yeah, I used to, you know, obsess over that moment happening of being able to get up there and sing with him. And not only that, but have him like, go like you did good kid. And, yeah. it, and yeah. that's, you know, that's the way it happened. And it was just, it was a weird, it's a weird thing. And, um, I guess somebody from the local newspaper was there and they called me and did like an interview about it. And like they had, uh, and I found out during the interview that they had called Edwin McCain and his sax player who was there and like asked them about it. And so when she's talking to me, she's like, yeah, well, we called NASA about it. He said he did a great job. And I was just like, wow, you, you, you asked him about me. Yeah. She was like, yeah. Was like, yeah. And so, um, and it ended up leading to me getting 
the first show I ever had booked at the same place he ever had, which was just as serendipitous as you could get for me. That sounds familiar too. At Cumberland. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was terrible. It was so bad. Was so <laughs> bad. It was, I'm sure as soon as the show started, the people, the owner and everyone were just like, Oh, I guess I was a one-off. Like, uh, uh, I don't yeah. think so. I don't, I don't <laughs> remember if I went to that was, or not, but that sounds familiar. It was terrible. It was so bad. Um, I was so nervous and the songs were, and the songs were so bad and just, you know, I, I don't remember. Oh, I'm sure it was on like a Tuesday night at like seven o'clock that nobody was, you know, yeah. something that gave me like yeah. a prime spot somewhere, but it was still, still really cool. Um, but yeah, so okay. He, so yeah, you he met, a, I mean, they say that you're not supposed to meet your heroes, but you, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've met a couple of mine too. Um, he was, he was super nice. He was awesome. Yeah, It's great when that happens. Um, he made fun of my nail polish, which I deserved, which is so funny because it's coming back in now. <laughs> Harry Styles is doing that. I would get to make fun of everybody all over again. Exactly. I actually bought into that. <laughs> one of, that was one of my pandemic purchases. And I bought some uh, nail polish. Uh, <laughs> and I like painted two of my nails. Just two. Just, yeah. I mean, that's what you do when you're, I and mean, that's the thing. That's the thing, Kyle. That's to, to update you. I'm, I'm out now of the loop, man. Nope. I mean, you can wear black, but also you can add some color, but you only like paint every other nail or something like that. That's the new thing. I learned that from Harry Styles and Vogue <laughs> magazine. Um, yeah, go back to the the Edwin McCain thing. Did you see? I shared the the video the other day of the the talent show. Did you see? No, I was kind of. I was wondering what happened to that. On where where did so, you share it? Uh, Ashley. Ashley. Ashley has yeah. everything. Well, Jason Diamond yes. and Ashley yes. Bleeker now Luciani. Yeah. Um had it and they were hanging out. They sent me some, uh, some clips through a text the other night, but, um, that's where, I mean, you talk about, I don't remember the whole prep process to that night happening at all. I, Oh, I do. I was there for it. I, yeah, I don't remember that yeah. at all. Yeah. I, I remember that night happening mm-hmm. and, but, um, one of the things I said when I, sh- you'll see the post, but, it was really neat to watch because I still remember that night going and that was, that had to be weeks prior to me leaving high school because okay. that happened. And I was like, that's it. Yeah. I'm done. That's all that's I wanted. It. Yeah. That's yeah. There's nothing else. And, uh, being able to like, it's pretty neat to be able to go back and have video documentary of the moment you decided what you were going to do and where your life like made that it's kind of neat. Yeah. But I, I, but I remember very specific. I was, I remember that show, that song show song ending and just going, that's it. I'm done. You've reached it. Well, it sounds like you've, um, you sounds like you've, uh, reached your life goals a few times. Some, yeah, I mean, so, you uh, you wanted to perform got, in front of your peers that song, and it happened. You did it. Done. <laughs> then you wanted to uh, learn how to sing and play like Evan McCain. You did it. And then you wanted to meet him and play with him, so you yeah. did that. So then you, I'm yeah. sure that your next 
thing was um, now I want to ha- record my own. I'm going to work at SpaceX. Ooh, yeah, SpaceX. Yeah. That's <laughs> you have to move over here for that. But um, then your next thing <laughs> is you wanted to re- record your own recording a studio, releasing a, a single, which you've done a few times or twice yeah, I at got, least. Got, got more. Yeah, got more to go. But uh, kids are very uh, time consuming. Yeah. Was let me ask so. you this: Was um, was having a family and being a dad in those plans, or was that something that you didn't expect? No, I always, I definitely always wanted kids. Um, I figured I would be further along in my career by the time that happened. So, excuse me. So they kind of, they came right on time as far as I'm concerned. The other stuff needs to catch up. Okay. So, so, so it's, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're ex you're exceeding the goalposts that you, you have to make bigger goalposts here <laughs> <laughs> because, and then, you know, speaking yeah, about got a lot of work to do, speaking about heroes, I mean, we go from Superman to Evan McCain to now, now you're in this fatherhood role. And I'm sure that it's in some way your kids see you as a hero in some way. Ah, man, I hope so. But most days I I doubt it. I'm just, I bet that when you took your son (laughs) to see Butch Walker though, and his first concert, Uh, I wish he remembered that he doesn't, but he'll see it. You documented it. Yeah. So you went from this, you know, the storytelling of what you told me about with Superman and, then you started wanting to imitate Edwin, but now you've taking those um, influences. You started writing your own music, mm-hmm. and um, as a singer songwriter, as which I would would think you are, um, trying to be. It's different than uh, it's different than actually just covering music. I mean, anybody can, not anybody, but most people can just take a take music and replay it. I mean, that's what a lot of musicians do, but I think Mm -hmm. writing music is a whole different set of skills. Um, and I, so I've listened to your singles. Oh, uh, and I've never, I don't know why I haven't before, but they're really great, Kyle. Oh, thanks man. Um, thank you. Yeah. And especially, and and I, I'm not completely clear. I didn't, I didn't spend that much time on the lyrics part of it. Um, but they're, they're, they seem to me to be about talking about, uh, journeys and, and chasing after something or looking back on something that wasn't, or for hopes of something that can be, or something like that, either if it's in a relationship or just, um, the way that you want life to be. So what I want to, what I want to maybe ask you to do is if we can just pick a song Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of go through with me, kind of tell me what the lyrics of that song went into it, what it's about and how, how did you, what's the process? How did you come up with that storytelling of, and how, how you created that into a music music for yourself and what, what was the reason behind it and how did you do it? So I, mean, I can, I can try. Yeah. Well you have to, cause I don't know anything about it. Um, <laughs> uh, so you'll pick, I, so I, I, what I did is I picked out little, snippets of your oh, s- God. songs <laughs> that I thought would be like nice um, 
like just little pieces to kind of, to kind of listen to for a second. And then you can, okay. then you can kind of reflect on it and maybe just talk about what you're talking about at that point. So I'll let you decide. Do you want to do lost in translation or hold me back first? That doesn't matter. Okay. Right. They're very different. Lost, lost in translation is probably easier. It's a okay. more somewhat more recent and I remember writing it more. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll do that one first. All right. So I'm just going to play a, a few seconds of it and let's listen to it. And then um, we'll talk about it. I love that. All right. <laughs> um, before you talk about it, I actually, I got some, um, I got some David Bowie vibes off of that. Like it's, it's like, Oh wow. It's like this crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, your voice, your voice is very, uh, very Kyle. I mean, it's very, it's very unique. <laughs> I mean, you're as a, as a music professional person, uh, your voice has this unique way of like, you can belt stuff, but you also have this really great natural rock vibrato at the ends of phrases and things. So it really, it makes great um, arc for music making too. So oh, thanks man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew that about you, but listening to you all these years later, it's, it's kind of nice. What, so <laughs> talk about that. I mean, we just heard a piece of it, but first, can you just tell me about what, what did we hear in the lyrics? What is the song about, first of all? So that song in general is just, it's all about just kind of butting heads with whoever you're in the relationship with. Um, I described it as like you get in that mode where like you just, you're in the mood to pick a fight. It doesn't even matter what it's really about. It doesn't matter if you think you're going to win or not. You're just in the mood to fight with, just get in that mood. Like somebody's like, Oh, Hey, how's your day? Oh, how do you think my day went? Well, you know, just, just anything. Um, which me and my wife have done <laughs> plenty of <laughs> yeah. times. Um, and we're, we're, we're good at arguing. We, we get have some down. good ones. We we have some good ones. And it's just, it's kind of the whole song in general is just kind of what's, the whole title in general is just so you get to that point where you, you might've started the fight with a certain topic, but it basically just evolved into you guys are just yelling random stuff at each other. And you don't even know what you're fighting about anymore. Like the, the topic just keeps changing from one thing to the other. You're just fighting for the sake of fighting, mm. whether you're going to win or lose. It's just, I think, I think every couple after long enough, just it's that point where like you just, you get in fights just because you're sometimes you're just in the mood to fight and uh, it doesn't even matter what it's about. And you're just yelling gibberish at each other by the end. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, relationships, but also just how we treat people in the world are like that. Um, we look, especially with social media and stuff, we're, we're kind of just looking past each other and just 
arguing the argument rather than it's kind of just it's kind of just two people venting at each other yeah very loudly can you recall some of the actual lyrics to it and kind of say it oh well, the, the, yeah the chorus is pretty simple and it's just i think what you are and what i am are not so far apart it's just basically like we're we're having two different arguments at the same time but we're basically doing the same thing you know we're yeah. both just venting yeah <laughs> it's uh the lost the lost part uh, of, of the tra- lost in translation that really comes through at that, the very end of that phrase with the lost. And you know, you're, you're right about, um, having this influence with Edwin, having this soulful sound, you really have this kind of, uh, um, guttural, uh, <laughs> really raw Southern, um, soulful sound in, in their voice that kind of comes through with that. And that's, I was kind of surprised oh, that, thanks, man. With that one, to be honest, because it's, um, it's not Edwin, you know, it's, it's got, it's got it's definite roots and influence in the voices, but there's, this is a creation of something. I mean, this is like a, I mean, there's other, other instruments there. There's, um, there's well, lyrics that have a storyline and then there's also there's this like orchestral creation of this. Yeah. Well, well, part of that is, uh, the, as far as the vocal part goes, that's just, I, um, I had to kind of f- intentionally force myself away from, yeah, I got, I think I'd gotten so good at sounding like him. Yeah. You had to find that yourself. it got to, it got to be kind of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I, when I came up to Philly, I, I started playing some places and people came up to me and was like, dude, anybody ever tell you something like Edwin McCain? I was like, <laughs> fuck. I was like, okay. Like, All right. It's time. <laughs> which, which is at the same time, like an awesome compliment yeah. because I've, I've absolutely, you know, adore that guy's voice and obsessed over it for, you know, many years. Sure. So say it's a great compliment, but at the same time I'd finally for, for a number of years, like that was the greatest thing anybody could say to me. You sound like just like Edward McCain. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's what I was going for. And then I eventually over time, it got to be kind of like, well, now I, I wish it sounded like me. And, um, did you, did you have to go through a process to find out what you sounded like to find, figure out that out? I mean, it probably happened. It wasn't super deliberate. It was this kind of, I, uh, I just, I think it was kind of just kind of got out of my head yeah, a little bit and just started kind of just, cause I, a lot of time I'm very, I'm very self-aware when I'm singing, I, I'm, I'm listening to it. It's, you know, while it's happening, I'm kind of like in the audience at the same time, like I'm analyzing all of it and hearing all of it. So you're like, like me when I, when I film, I'm self-editing at the same time. Yeah, it's a, like, a, yeah. oh, miss, that that note was off. Yeah. Do better next time. Like, do it this way the next, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so for a long time when I was singing, I was like, well, that sounds like Edwin McCain. Perfect. That sounds like Edwin McCain. Uh-huh. Cool. <laughs> that didn't so much. Do better. Um. So it, it kind of got to be to where I kind of had to, like, turn that part of my brain off. Just and saying. just kind of, like, just, Yeah. 
Let's do the other one. I think I like this one too. Uh, this one's called Hold Me Back. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that one first, or should I play the thing? Uh, play first, and we'll I'm only playing. Uh, so I'm playing the end of this one because I um <laughs> I really like uh-huh. the way that the the last third of the song yeah just as composed and i think it sound the reason i'm playing it and it, you'll you'll notice i'm going with the theme here in this podcast but uh, to me it sounds very heroic and and like movie magic cool. well, well you know people get in a movie <laughs> yeah i mean it sounds like to me to me this sounds like a hero's journey like uh soundtrack or something and so let's, let's, <laughs> that's awesome let's listen to it for a second <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> yeah, it's um I mean awesome. I can see the credits rolling and the, the romance has happened and the you know everybody's dancing in the mall or whatever it is or it's like the end of uh um a Marvel um hero's journey or something and everybody's happy. So but it's it's a very epic kind of sounding thing. Plus you have that like you go to that <laughs> unexpected chord and it creates some kind of drama to uh what we're listening it's, it's to. Tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Tension. So you're so you're actually the point I'm trying to make is that you're actually storytelling major time with the actual music too, not just with the lyrics, but Oh wow. Uh yeah, I mean if you listen to that whole song it's uh it takes you through some sort of musical journey as well as just listening to the lyrics but just the music itself is kind of storytelling ish too so um talk to me a little bit about that song uh so that song was written about my wife uh way way prior to her being my wife um most most of the songs are actually almost always about my wife um, That's nice. Um, Lucky her. But uh, what's that? Lucky her. She's got songs <laughs> written about her all the time. <laughs> yeah. So that was at a at a weird time. We were we were friends at the time. So I was like head over heels for her from like the first five seconds. And you said you met in a bar. Yeah, she was a yeah. bartender. Perfect. And uh, I was a drinker. And, I'm talking uh, <laughs> to a bartender right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're good people to keep in your lives. Yeah. Um, it was kind of one of those things where like, I, I knew she'd broken up with the guy and like, I was, I was hardcore in the friend zone. Like she was literally just at this point, it was like, we, we weren't friends that hung out all the time. It was, she worked at the bar up the street from where I was living at the time. And I had a crappy job and I would spend my entire paycheck at the bar just to, <laughs> hang out there oh yeah i know that <laughs> um, story i i ended up regardless of everything i just said at, at one point so i was i was living up in um uh, northeast pa where i met her 
and uh, after moving from Charleston. And uh, I kind of didn't have anything going on for me up here either at the time. And uh, she was kind of like the only, I was literally just like, she's all I thought about, all I cared about. And I, uh, and when she, you know, starts seeing the next guy, I was kind of like, well, there's, there's really nothing left here for me. So I had, uh, I moved back down to Charleston and uh, for maybe eight months, year or so, something like that. But while I was gone, we, we kind of stayed in touch and it got to be kind of like, I was like, I miss you. And she was like, no, I miss you too. And then just kind of, we couldn't stay apart. And uh, she realized that I was as awesome as I told her I was. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah. So going back to um, high school days when you and yeah, I were friends, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't remember if. And maybe, By the way, for the so, again, not to cut you off, yeah. just want to say, when we were in high school. You were a great friend, man. Hey, you were a great friend. That, you really were. This is a perfect segue because that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, you were just a good, solid dude. You were a really good yeah. friend. Well, I was just about to say the same thing about you. Ah, uh, there it is. <laughs> I win though. I said it first. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm so, I was like, when you started going, there, I was like, God damn it. He's going to ruin my, uh, so I sensed it. I yeah, you it did. Coming. So, but I don't remember if it's, I don't remember if I met you when we were in crazy for you together or, or we were already friends by that point. I think I met you in that play. And what? Crazy for you when you were Barnaby. Hello, Dolly. That's it. Yep. Hello, yeah. Dolly. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't crazy. It was Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. That's right. Barnaby was in Hello, Dolly. Okay. I lose my musical theater gay card, I guess. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Hello, Dolly. Yeah. You're a Barnaby. <laughs> but I think, I think I met you because of that i think that's how we met but maybe i'm wrong well i think we were in like chorus or okay yeah chorus class and then it evolved into drama club yeah right something right okay it was all kind of one organic thing and here's something interesting because you were um you had miss Kona as a chorus teacher right too mm-hmm. yeah yeah so her son was an actor okay and I got pretty close to her family um, because I ended up going, the reason I ended up going to Charleston Southern is because her husband worked there as a professor. Well, you were kind of like an adopted son, even in high school. Yeah. For the, for them. Yeah. You guys were, you guys were close. Yes. Okay. So you, you knew that you want to, you want to hear a really funny story is, yeah. uh, and I'm sure this would be fun for anybody who listens. Cause they'll have no clue what we're talking about. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> So my three-year-old is super, super into The Greatest Showman right now. Oh, yeah. I haven't um, seen that and, yet. I'm sorry, what? I, should I watch? I should watch it. Listen, okay, here's my defense. Dude, I just, I was ready to watch it. card gone. I know, it's completely gone. What? Surprise, I'm actually straight. It's, um, 
<laughs> no, it's uh listen, I was ready to watch it. I was oh, all in God. the mood. Um and it's amazing. I know. It's amazing. I just want okay, I, I, was, I love it. So my three year old's obsessed with it. Okay. I'm okay with it because every time he wants to watch it, I'm like, Yeah, let's watch that. It's amazing. Okay. Keep going. Oh my god. Keep going. Um, anyway, so I mean I'm sure you've seen like pictures of it. It's like Yeah, Barnum, I know I know exactly what it is. Yeah. 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 So he got the uh, he got the jacket recently from a friend, and uh, to be the like the ringmaster, and got like the kind of a crappy hat with it. And uh, I was talking with my mom the other day, and we were talking about him getting the coat, and he's all excited about it. She's like, "Oh well, if the hat doesn't work, I have your night edition hat left over. <laughs> Finally, somebody can wear it." Oh my gosh! And. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so yeah. for those listening, Night Edition was this uh, show choir that we, I didn't even remember that was what it was called until you just said it just now. I think it lasted like a month. It wasn't a big, it didn't go very No, that's far. not true because Oh, God. Night Edition existed I Night, exi- Night Edition existed before you came to that school. So there was this whole other show choir that existed with a prior choir teacher and it so judy inherited that night edition thing and then i think maybe she canceled it or something it was awful here okay here's another it was top hats and vests yeah for for no reason do you remember that good reason do you remember uh jessica yeah jessica and i went to show choir camp at duke university of course you did I don't know if you remember that or not, but we were like chosen for something. And her and I both were like, I was the boy and she was the girl. And we were like shipped off to summer camp. See, there's a camp for everything, Kyle. (laughs) And we went to show our camp at Duke university and listen as, as corny and whatever, as that sounds, it was awesome because it was like, we were at Hogwarts, Mm -hmm. that university, we stayed in the dorms we had in these amazing buildings and we were on the meal plan, so we walked to the Great Hall, which looks like Hogwarts, and we're eating lunch on these like amazing oak tables from the 1400s or whatever. Um, and then we went and rehearsed and did this big show. But anyway, yeah, that's we just went on a tangent there. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was Barnaby Tucker. Who who were you in Hello Dolly? Um, I was one of the waiters. I was not an important role uh, like, like you were. Well, what about a uh, South Pacific? Oh, that yeah, I was leading that one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was uh, Lieutenant Cable, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, anyway, the whole where I was going with this is that, um, yeah, y- you were an important, you played an important role in my life. Um, How? I don't know. I think. Um, Details. I think probably you were one of my. Specific moments. Okay. Um, I think, well, I'm kidding. Uh, well, you, well, definitely you were one of the first, um, guys that I consistently slept over at their house with. So, um, yeah, I just felt, um, without getting too gay on you, (laughs) I just, I, (laughs) um, I felt affection, you know, like there is, there was things that I was missing in my life and probably yours at the time too. Um, yeah. you know, and, um, I was a messed up kid, man. Yeah, I was too in my own way. Um, so I think, 
it was nice to have just a, a, a friend you could count on at that time. Yeah, but, you know, absolutely. And like I um, said, you were you were a very good friend. Yeah, it's nice. It was nice to have uh, that friendship at that at that time in my life, and you played a, a, an important role in that. So awesome. Uh, Likewise. Yeah. So it's um, you know, I'm so glad that you agreed to do this because I wanted to, you know, when I go in, when I go in my mental list of friendships that were important to me in my childhood or teenage years, definitely you're on the, you know, you're on that list at the, towards the top. So, um, Oh wow, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm honored. Yeah. It's, it's important. Um, as you get, feel good. I wasn't, I wasn't a piece of shit my entire life. Oh, I had, had some, had some good, good moments. <laughs> yeah i mean we were all figuring things out you know um and I, I the important thing is that we're you have people that are there with you when you're figuring things out you know um and you were definitely one of those for me so um nice yeah and um it's important the the older i get now that i'm i'm pushing 40 right it's weird uh you start looking at the world differently, you know, and as chaotic as our world is getting around us, it's, um, it's interesting how you really look back and value things that you, um, didn't have thought about for a while. Do you feel like you're getting close to 40 though? Cause I, yes. I got in a conversation with my wife the other day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we got in a conversation the other day and it's like, so she turns 40 next year and I'm, I'm a year behind her. So I'm I'm not far off at all by any means, but yeah. like I don't I don't feel like it. I still feel like a I still feel ever, I don't want to say immature because it sounds bad, but I, maybe that's accurate. So you still feel like what a 17 year old or 25 year old or uh, yeah, 17 years is extreme, but yeah, yeah I, I don't feel like I'm anywhere near 40. I feel yeah. I don't feel like I'm, yeah, I don't know. Here's my response Not, to that. I, um, when I say I that like I've I'm, got plenty of time. Yeah. I will. When I say that I'm, I feel like 40, I don't feel that in an old way. I feel that way. Like I'm, I'm embracing that age. Like I'm ready to embrace my forties. Um, but I don't, I don't see that. I don't see 40 as like this older age now. Of course I used to. I feel like I'm 40 when I have to pay all my bills. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you can or are up for this, but how do you feel about playing a little something? I mean, I can try. Give me, uh, give me a second. Let me see what kind of shape this thing's in. Okay. I've actually haven't pulled it out in a while. I have no idea if it's in tune at all or not. This is a great guitar. Okay, so what I thought you might want to do is um, you can play what you want, but I thought maybe if you wanted to play, if I don't belong to you a little bit. Oh. And then you don't have to play the whole thing, but just play a little bit of it. Sure. And give us. Where'd you find that one? Um, I'm a good investigator. <laughs> No, it's on your website. And so, um, I wonder, can you still hear me? Okay. I can. 
and I wonder. I can't hear me at all. No, you sound great. Uh, I wonder if, if before you play, if you could, if you don't mind playing that one, um, if you could tell us a little bit what the song means, if you want to talk a little bit about it, and then just play a little bit of it, and then we'll we'll play out on this. Yeah. So once again, the song's about my wife. Um, This one was just kind of about my journey through finding out where home kind of is. And it's just, uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of got that kind of home where, where the heart is kind of deal. As long as we're together, it's, that's it. And if she's not around, then there's no home. Okay. Go for it. I could cross state lines, dig my roads to get by. I could follow these strings, go where they want to go. Just in the Philly to New York City, but I don't belong. Thanks, Kyle. That was great. You're welcome. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, yeah. Kyle, uh, this has been great. It's uh, almost it's like one in the morning over there. Been awesome to catch up with you, man. And I hope uh, thirty minutes of this might actually be useful for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll say about but, uh, fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, and where can no, uh, so if people want to if people want to like listen to your stuff, where can they follow you and pick you up? I just want to let you know that iTunes. Um, yeah, I found you on iTunes for sure. And I noticed you're on Twitter too, which is fascinating because most people aren't on Twitter these days. Um, is that accurate? It felt that way. I was, yeah, I mean, I love Twitter. It's my favorite platform, but, um, so on Twitter, I noticed that you're, you're all about music being funny and outer space. That's your Twitter. Yeah, that's accurate. And that's, I love all that stuff. So we'll, we'll have another one of these chats and we'll have like a whole episode talking about sci-fi. That'd be fun. And, and uh, I would love space. to do that. That'd yeah. be a great time. I'm a humongous Star Trek nerd, and we can talk about that. Uh, I thought we were going to talk about real science. Okay, that's fine. Hey, it's based on real science. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I just knew you. Star Wars would be another. That would be a not a not a good. <laughs> I thing. knew that was going to hit a sore point. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, good night, Kyle. All right, later, bud. See ya.